What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita. We had a great conversation earlier in the week talking about who should be in the MLB All-Star Game, starting that game. And today, we're going to speak with an awesome guest. I'm going to bring her in in a moment. Before I do that, if you guys enjoyed today's show, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever it is that you get your podcasts, YouTube, if you're watching this, Facebook, uh, Twitter. You got it. Uh, follow me at Jack Vita Show, and we're going to have a lot more great content coming soon. Today, we are speaking with a baseball wife. Her husband, JP France, is a AAA pitcher in the Houston Astros system. She was on reality television for several years, actually. She did four seasons of the challenge. She was on The Real World Portland, and hopefully she likes sports a little bit because she's here on a sports show. We have the woman formerly known as Jessica McCain, now Jess France. Welcome, Jess. It's great to have you here. Hello, hello. It's good to be here. So how are you doing, first and foremost? Give people a little update on what's going on in your life, because I'm sure the people who are listening, well, I'm sure we got some people who did not see you on TV. We'll talk TV later. But what have you been up to since we last saw you on TV? Oh, since we last saw me on TV, that's been, I think it's been about five or six years since last yeah. time I've done a show. Um, since then, I was, you know, cooking in Manhattan Culinary School, worked at the number one restaurant in the world, worked in Aspen, the Hamptons, and I've, uh, I met my husband, JP, and, um, baseball just kind of carried us away together. I, I quit my job and, and got a remote job and you know, we got married I think nine months after we met or no, we got engaged nine months <laughs> after we met, got married seven months later. And here we are. Uh, and we're now pregnant and having a baby. Very exciting. And this is a first. This is the first time we've had a minor league baseball wife on the show. We had a major league wife or, you know, the, have you, you've probably heard the term wag, wives yeah. and girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we had, we've had one of those before. Stephanie LaGrosa from Survivor. We spoke with her last summer and she's actually going to come back on later this year. But this is a minor league wife. And also the first time we've had someone on the show who's carrying a baby. So that's a fun fact. Pretty exciting times for you, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought everybody life moves so fast. It's crazy. Um, it just is, you know, JP and I have been together for, I think, what, three and a half years now. And in that time, we've, you know, met, got engaged, got married, having a baby. We're all the way in AAA now. You know, um, when we met, he was in high A. And it just, he didn't spend a long time at each place. This is the longest we've been, you know, at a level um, here in AAA. And um, he's just crushing it right now. It, but it just happens so fast. <laughs> just everything, everything just happened so quickly, you know, in the, in the baseball life. How did you meet? <laughs> She's already laughing. <laughs> okay, okay. So... You want the real story? You want like the story we told our parents? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so funny enough, I was coming home from Aspen because I was going to go ahead and work out there um, after leaving 11 Madison Park. And uh, I came home for a two-week visit to visit my mom and dad. And um, 
mom made me go to this baseball. I mean, she literally picked me up from the airport and made me go to this baseball game. I was like, I hate baseball. <laughs> it's hot. The game's going to be like a million hours long. And why? We don't even know. Like, we don't know anybody. Like, why do you want to go? Like, I just didn't understand that people were going to a baseball game. I had fun. Um, and then I think it was like a couple days later, my mom was giving me a hard time. She's like, you work too much. You're always working. You're, I mean, I was a chef. Like, you work all the time, you know. It's just what you do. Uh, long hours. Endless hour <laughs> working <laughs> holidays. Um, but long story short, she was giving me a hard time about not being married, when I was going to have babies, how old I oh was boy. getting. That's the worst, like, isn't it? it? It is. It is. Because I've heard it my entire life. You know, you, you know, your eggs are dying. When are you going to get married? You're never going to find a husband if you don't <laughs> X, Y, Z. I'm like, mm, I can't. Um, and at that point, I had just come off of a really a horrible relationship. And so I was, you know, I was over it. I was like, mm -mm, I'm just going to work my life away. And like, that's, I'm just done. I was just done at that point. Um, but she was teasing me. So one night I just downloaded Bumble. I was like, you want to see what is here? Cause she was like, you need to date somebody at home in Fayetteville so that you can be close to mom and dad. I was like, look what's here. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then I saw JP's picture. I was like, okay, he's cute. Okay, she goes, well, you're not going to talk to him. I said, hi. Because, <laughs> like, on Bubble, you have to talk first. Like, the girl has to message first. So I just said hi. And he was like, hey, what's up? And then we just chatted. You know, just, I was like, I'm in town. Um, I with my parents. My, you know, I just need to get out of the house. Like, it was just, he was bored and, and wanted someone to hang out with. And I was bored and wanted someone to hang out with. Like, Neither one of us was looking for love. We were just looking for someone just to kick it with and hang out. Um, long story short, we met. We spent every single day together after that. And I had to leave to go see my dad. And I was like, it's just, just like we had fun. And like, this is done. Or like, what is this going to be? Um, you know, I'm a grown woman. I just wanted to know, you know, what the deal was. And he just like, he was like... It was like a movie. He was like hanging out, you know, had his arm up on the side of my car telling me bye and everything. And he's like, I have to be with you. And I went home that night and I told my parents, I was like shouting. It was really early in the morning. Um, I was like, mom, mom. I was like, I met my husband. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Like, you know, I, I dated I cheated a lot, you know, not, not, um, I went on lots of dates. Let's say that lots of first dates, I thought. <laughs> but, uh, my mom's like, yeah, you, you know, you'll find something wrong with them and then it'll be over. And <laughs> I didn't, I didn't find anything and I still haven't. He is an absolute saint and just the greatest human being I've ever known. So that's how we met. We met on Bumble and I knew I knew the first night that I had met my husband. Wow. So a Bumble success story. I feel like I hear more failure stories with that app. I have some of those too. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> That's funny. You guys met on Bumble and that was when? 2019? You said three yes. years? Wow. Yes. Wow. So things happen pretty quick. So you've been, a, you've been a part. I know you got drafted in 2018, but you've been a pretty much part of his whole minor league journey aside from his first year 
Yeah, yeah. And what's something about minor league baseball that you think people might not fully understand or know about it? What's something that you learned about dating a baseball player and ultimately marrying one? I think a lot of people assume, you know, minor league baseball players get paid a ton of money, that they're treated super well, that, you know, they live this lush, luxurious life. And it is not true. Like, not to bash the MILB or anything, but they share, you know, small rooms. They, you know, they have, this was in, in high A, um, which I'm sure is better accommodations than other, you know, previous programs, but you have two grown men sharing a bedroom and their beds are like two feet apart from each other. Um, and that's a good case scenario. You know, they were in nice apartments, but you're still sharing a two bedroom apartment with four men. Um, and the food in Fayetteville was good, but like if they go visit other stadiums and stuff, some of the food that they serve them, I'm like, they serve you this food and expect you to perform like a professional athlete. Like what is happening? And then what are they giving even- them? What kind of food? It was at, oh, what stadium was it? I don't know. We were at a visiting, we were the visiting team at, at a stadium. And um, I brought some of the boys home because they didn't want to take the two-hour bus ride back. It was quicker if I, I drove. And um, they brought me out. They're like, you want some food? You know, it's the least we can do for you driving. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, they brought me a taco. And it literally tastes like someone punched like a tortilla out of a yoga mat and put dog food in it. Like it was so <laughs> bad. I was like, you're joking. Like oh. this is what they're serving you guys. It was like worse than any school lunch I've ever had. And wow. I was just in shock. Uh, it doesn't get better though. Like double A. Oh my goodness. The hooks have banging food. Like, I mean, it was incredible. And in triple A too, it's really good. So, but I so, think that that's a big misconception is people think that they just like, you know, or kicking back and, you know, flying in private jets and eating fillets and stuff like that. And it's not the case there. You know, the, the pay is, is very minimal and the, the sacrifice and struggle is huge. Have you seen the movie Bull Durham? I have seen almost every baseball movie. I think that might've been a requirement to marry my husband from my <laughs> father-in-law, but yes, I love the movie Bull Durham. Is it, do you feel like it's pretty accurate to minor league experience? Aside from like the Susan Sarandon stuff, because that stuff's like weird. <laughs> I think parts of it can be, yeah. Um, I think a lot of movies that kind of showcase minor league life are, can be accurate in some parts. I mean, you know, there's a, a, a Instagram called Minor League Grinders. <laughs> so if you really want to know what minor league is like, look at that. I mean, but. <laughs> It's just everything happens so fast and we don't have any control over it. We could be here today in this apartment and, you know, me being, being, you know, two months pregnant, they could be like, oh, by the way, you know, branch are getting traded to the Dodgers. And I have to pack up our entire life, make arrangements with my work and drive all the way out to California. Like, that's my life. That's my job. My husband calls me the glue. He's like, you're the glue. You hold everything together. Oh my God, I try. But <laughs> minor league life is just so unpredictable. It just, you know, you're kind of like a pawn in a game and, and you just have to go out there and give it your all every time. But also expect like when he got moved from double A to triple A on Father's Day last year, they let him know right after the game. Hey, France, pack your stuff. You're, you're, you know, you're going to El Paso. That's where they're playing. Um, and it's just crazy how life just picks up that way. 
So you mentioned that you had to watch all these baseball movies. What were your favorite ones that you saw? Oh my goodness. I feel like they all blur together. Bull Durham is definitely one of my favorites though. Okay. I'll, I'll run through some names. You can give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. Major League. I feel like I've seen that one. And it's That's the like, Cleveland Indians one. Can't Charlie, Sheen, Charlie Sheen is in it. No? Okay. I feel like if I started watching them again like i'd be like oh yeah i remember this one for this reason or, or whatever but like i i love sports movies um i really like the movie 42 it makes me cry oh, yeah. every single time every That's time i was one. on a plane not too long ago I was, like sobbing my eyes up but um i love sports movies whether it's boxing or baseball or you know whatever it is but the baseball movies are extra funny because you get to live through some of those experiences <laughs> my actual favorite my favorite is Moneyball. have you seen Moneyball? Mm -hmm, i have Oh, I love that movie. It's so it might be my favorite movie ever for that matter. It's so good. Yeah, there's so many good ones. I'm like trying to think of titles off the top of my head, but my brain just doesn't work these days. <laughs> Field of Dreams is another one. Yes, yes, yes. They when they did the Field of Dreams game in real life, like I don't know why, but like watching the watching the uh the commercial for it made me cry. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> And that was before pregnancy. So you, yeah. but now you're probably crying a lot more now. <laughs> Stuff like that make you cry? No? I think I cry less. Oh, um, interesting. I definitely cry because I don't feel, you know, having battled with everything I've battled with in pregnancy the first few weeks, I've definitely cried a lot. <laughs> Dude's not feeling well and being scared. Um, I don't know. Maybe the tiredness just kind of takes the extra emotion out, but I definitely do cry. I'm a, I'm a very warm heartfelt person. So there's never so a lack of tears. You went from, you said you didn't want to go to this minor league game with your mom a few years ago. You said you hated baseball. You thought it was boring. Do you enjoy baseball more now at least? I enjoy watching my husband pitch. Um, some of the girls think it's really funny because I still don't understand fully. Like the game, I'm like, hey, hey, when do we get to go home early if we're up? And they're like, when we're at home. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but it's like the eighth inning and we're up. Can we go home soon? They're like, no. The other team has to bat first. Like I just learned this like last week. <laughs> like my husband makes fun of me. I'm like, the, the referee, he's like, that's an umpire. I'm like, whatever. Like things like that. Um, I'm still trying to understand, but you know, when your friends, you know, boyfriends and husbands do well and they're excited, I think that creates a lot of excitement as well. Um, so it just depends. The games are still really long. <laughs> minor league baseball. So, I mean, I, I obviously love baseball. I had never been to a minor league game prior to last summer. And when I went, I thought it was really fun. Thought it was really cool. Like typically they have some fun promotions and stuff like that. They really try to make it. I think they tend to do stuff in between innings. That's sometimes gimmicky, but it's, it's entertainment. They want people to come out and there's something about it that I like about it. And same thing with college baseball too, for that matter, where it's kind of like you strip away the glitz and the glamor. And it's like, if you love baseball, you're going to have a fun time and enjoy it. It's just like, pure baseball is the way I'd describe it. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that in the, the in-between innings, uh, games and things like that sometimes are really funny. They do one here where they put, um, like they put 
what are they called? Like floaty ring, ring, um, ring floats. Yeah. I guess a donut float. They like yeah. stack them on top of people and like make them <laughs> run all the way down to the line and come back. And people usually fall and they're just like bouncing everywhere. So there's a lot of funny ones. <laughs> like inner tubes. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, they've got they the college league teams that are like that independent league. If you're listening to this and you live close to a minor league baseball stadium, go to a game. I think you guys will like it. I live in Chicago. There's no minor league sports around here. We're too big of a market, but you're in Sugarland, right? That's where Space Cowboys. Yep, they are now the Space Cowboys. Casey Musgraves. They ever play Casey Musgraves, Space Cowboy? I don't know that song. Oh. I have to look it up. Oh, she's got a song called Space Cowboy. Huh. I'm so out of touch. I didn't even listen to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I have like my like one like nineties playlist that I play over and over. So how many games do you typically go to? You normally you normally go for a home game when your husband pitches. Do you go to other games or do you pr- pretty much you work and stay pretty busy? Before I was pregnant, I used to go to almost every single game. And people are like, why are you go if he doesn't play? I'm like, to stare at the back of his head. Like That was <laughs> the, like the running joke. I literally go to sit in the stand and stare at the back of his head because that's all I can see from my chair um, <laughs> is his head in the dugout. But um now, you know, now again, you know, with the pregnancy and, and having such a rough start, like I can't be out in the heat for more than like an hour or two. So um, I try to go be social, you know, with the girls. We have a really, really, really close, tight knit group of girls. They're all amazing, supportive, loving, sweet. It's like a sisterhood, honestly. Um, so I go and try to, you know, keep up with them and check in and see how they're doing. But it's been pretty rough. Um, so now I'm going to like one game a week, staying for a couple of hours and then going home because, um, I do work nights, but also it's just so tough to be out there right now in that heat. I mean, it's been like a hundred feels like 109 some days. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and this is like at six o'clock at night, Yeah. seven o'clock at night. It's still, you know, blazing hot beyond belief. Yeah. And at the time of this recording, it's July 1st. So the sun is still out at that point. Um, I can only imagine cause I'm, in, I mean, it's been hot here. I can't imagine uh, Texas, how hot it is in the summer, especially if they have any day games. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think they've iced the day games for a little bit due to the heat index. Nice. Yeah. So were you? did you play sports growing up? You like sports aside from baseball? Um, yeah, actually, when I was a little kid, you know, t-ball, and then uh, you know, when they did mixed co-ed baseball, and then softball. And then as I got older, they tried to put me in soccer. I hated it. I, just, I was not meant for running. I'm five foot three with little legs. It doesn't <laughs> work for me. Um, I did dance, tap, ballet, jazz, um, taekwondo, like literally any sport you can imagine. If my parents let me try it, I tried it. I played street hockey with, you know, the boys across the street when I was a little kid, um, I used to love playing flag football because I was like smaller than everybody else. Of course, all the dudes and my brother would make me the quarterback. He'd be like, okay, you're going to grab the ball and you're just going to run. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and just like take off running. Um, what else? I mean, I was really big into dirt bikes when I was younger too. I loved riding dirt bikes. Anything that got me outside and moving for the most part. Tried tennis, not a great tennis player, not that coordinated. Um, and then throughout high school, you know, I, I well, middle school I played volleyball, which I loved, but then I was ready for something different, something more challenging. And so I was a cheerleader for four years um, in, in high school. 
that you mentioned the dirt bikes. That was a great episode of the real world when everyone that you guys went to some dirt bike track and people are kind of trying it out and you were in your element and everyone was just like so surprised. They're like, I can't imagine. This is so weird. She's great at this. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because my husband just thinks that I'm this tiny little delicate flower. And like, I'm like, I wish you knew me. Like, I wish you knew me. I'm glad he doesn't know who I used to be. But at the same time, like, I don't think he realizes how tough I truly am. And maybe those blinders are kind of on because, you know, I'm his wife. He feels like he needs to protect me at all costs. And, and now that I'm carrying his child, it's even more so. But I'm like, I'm tough. And like, all he sees is like this little twelve, like, like he just sees me as this little tiny feisty thing. And I'm like, no, I'm, you know, I walk off of buildings and I ride dirt bikes and, and I run kitchens. Like I'm, you know, I'm a barracuda. And he's like, okay, puppy dog. <laughs> he just treats me like this little, like little, like a delicate person. So it cracks me up when people, you know, look at those things and say, oh yeah, you know, that that was amazing like you're 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 wild i'm like tell my husband that (laughs) had you had he seen you on tv before he met you he's never watched he's never watched he refuses to he's like i don't want to see it would you like him to see it or would you prefer he not see it i would like him to see the good parts (laughs) but like if he saw somebody calling me names or arguing with me he would get upset like, it would hurt his feelings. Like, I know that sounds really silly and, like, maybe a little soft, but I think men, no, men I don't are think so. allowed to be soft. And, and Why, well, he's protective of his wife. Very much so, but very in a very silent way. He's not going to be that guy, you know, at the bar that's going to go up to somebody and be like, quit looking at my wife. Right. He's just going to, like, step in front of me and make sure that I'm, you know, nobody, nobody harms me or touches me or spills drinks on me or, you know what I mean? He's a very yeah. silent protector. So, I mean, that's something that you went on the show when you're 21, right? So you, I, I can't imagine that you thought a whole lot about, yeah, this is going to be a show that's one day going to be on Paramount Plus and people could just binge it and watch it whenever, whenever they want to. And I'm going to have one day I'm going to get married. My husband might want to watch this or maybe he won't want to watch it. My kids are gonna, could someday watch this. Like that's something you never thought about, right? Definitely not. I don't think any 21-year-old with an opportunity <laughs> like that really thinks you know about things like that and for me that was 10 years ago by the time my kids are grown enough to start questioning that i think i don't even know where you know in 10 years from now where technology is going to be but who knows i'm sure they'll find it somehow <laughs> they'll find all the bad parts be like mom you said bad <laughs> words and be like yeah, that's not it yeah that's a great point we don't know what this is going to be like what is the next evolution of these streaming apps and youtube and social media because we weren't thinking about that 10 years ago we didn't think that there'd be some basically we'd be done with dvds we didn't think that i mean i think like i talked to clarence black from survivor africa And he was talking a little bit about how, you know, he was on the third season of Survivor back in 2001. And now it's 20 years later and kids at school will like make fun of his kids for the stuff that he did on Survivor. And it's just like, he's like, I never, he's like, I was 24 when I went on the show. I never thought that this would live on forever kind of thing. I thought that'd just be it. People move on. I guess I kind of feel that way 
about my presence on the show because I didn't do as many shows as other people. And some people, like I did a Challenge Mania event um, with Scott and people came up to me, they're like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that you're here. You are my absolute favorite. I'm like, what? <laughs> Scott's like, I told you, people remember you. People want to see you. People want to hear from you. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> like, uh, he was just so crazy that people actually like were impacted by my minor role in, in you know, the Bina Murray productions and MTV series. You just don't realize your impact sometimes. And I don't know. I wouldn't say that I'm done forever. <laughs> I would like to do, you know, I would love if Portland did a reunion or something so we could Ooh, all be yeah. together again and stuff like that. But who knows? Who knows the future, you know, of, of the the brands? I'm not really, not really sure. Well, the All Stars is now on Paramount Plus, and I haven't gotten a chance to watch. I watched the first season of All Stars. Haven't gotten to see two or three or watch your girl Naya on there yet, but I'm excited to. And I don't know. I think that uh, Mark Long was really he really wanted to do this thing, and now it's it looks like a show that's going to live on for a while. So all-stars five, maybe for you, all-stars six, would you say yes? You consider it? It just depends, you know, with work and everything as well. That's what I'd find the most difficult is like getting time off of work. Um, I think I would consider it, especially with some of the challenges that they do. It's not always heights over, you know, heights over nothing. Like it used to be, that's my biggest fear is like the heights part of it. But I mean, they asked me to do, I think it's all-star original series. And I said, no, I kind of regret that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was that two years ago? Like 2020? Oh man. I've only been called a couple times over the years. So it's hard to like, they called me for bloodlines. It's hard to keep track because they don't tell you when they're calling you what it's for. They're right. like, are you available? You know, this month, this month, yes or no. And then, like, they disappear. And then they come back. And they're like, okay, can you film this date to this date? Yeah. And then they didn't go away. Like, it's just so, it's such a strange process. I mean, I'm sure it's changed since I've, I've been exposed to it, but the old process was really weird. <laughs> so you went on, uh, well, the first season that of TV that you were on was The Real World Portland in 2013. And then you did Rivals 2, Free Agents, Axes 2, and Rivals 3. And those seasons ran between 2013 and 2016. You mentioned Bloodlines. That was sometime in that stretch. Was Bloodlines one that... So I'm I'm trying to refresh your memory a little bit because you're saying it all blends together. So was that one that you said, no, thanks? Have they called you since Rivals 3? Were they like... Was it something where they were calling you right away? And then after you maybe said no a couple times, like, okay, we're not going to bother you anymore. Was it something like that? Yeah, I kind of felt like that. Um, I did say yes to Bloodlines, but we didn't end up getting picked for it. And then I think I got like one call after that. And like, I made it pretty public. I wasn't interested. Um, it would just have to be the right circumstances now because of work and family and things like that. So it makes it a little bit more complicated. Well, Dario told me, he was on around the same years that you were on and he said his first season was bloodlines and then you guys were both on rivals three same season Mm -hmm. and then he did the next couple seasons after that and he said 
when he first got on the challenge, he was like, it was so much fun. I loved it. It was great. And then as he did more of it, he felt like the show was changing and they were making it more restrictive. They weren't, it wasn't as much fun. It was kind of looser. And now, like, I know you mentioned to me privately that you don't watch a whole lot of TV. So I don't know if you're still watching the challenge or all stars, but a couple years ago, they put them all in an underground bunker. Like, and for me as a viewer, I like to watch people having fun. I don't want to watch people suffer. Dario totally checked out from the show mentally once it became less fun. Did you notice the show changing as you were on it for a few years? So I haven't watched any of the challenge until recently, just to support Naya um, in all stars. But everything, when I was on it, it felt the same. Um, the restrictions were real tight. Um, but it seems like they've loosened up now. Like, they show production, mm. and people are allowed to talk to production on camera. And they, I feel like it's giving a, a more real view of things as before. Like, everything you did was so restricted. Tell me about how you ended up on The Real World. I mean, you're 21 years old. How did this opportunity come about, and what inspired you to chase after it? Um, I was doing beverage modeling and they basically told me that I was, I was too heavy. I was like a size two, not a size like double zero. <laughs> and I was like, all right, bye. I'll fly for something else. And um, it just popped up an addition, uh, audition. And um, I went to that. Or call, or, I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> I applied online. They called me to go to Charlotte. My mother drove me to Charlotte. I changed in a gas station, went to this bar, sat right in the middle of the table. I was like, hi, I'm Jess. Nice to meet you. Like, I was just myself, kind of loud, kind of, you know, really chatty and very honest. And um, they just kept calling me back for interviews and things like that. And it was just really on a whim. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I'd never watched the real world, never heard of it. Um, and then they put me on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so you were just like, okay, this sounds pretty cool. And how long were you gone? Did you know where they were going to take you? Did you have any idea of what it was actually going to be like? I had no idea until like the very end, you know, they tell you a little bit at a time. And at the very end, they're like, do you want to know where you're going? And like, that was the way they told me I was like, I made the show. They're like, you want to know where you're going? They're like, Portland, Oregon. And I was like, Oh, and like, they were so bummed. I wasn't excited about it. I mean, I was so not exposed to a bunch of things at that point. I was like, like, how do you feel about that? I remember Jeff Kearns asked me, how do you feel about that? I was like, I feel like you told me you were going to take me to Disneyland. And now you're just like, oh, I'm kidding. We're going to the dollar store. <laughs> I think I broke their hearts as a collective. I mean, they knew it was coming from like a very genuine, honest place, but they were just like, oh, <laughs> At least her bar is set very low. And then, you know, we go on to ride dirt bikes. And then I got to learn how to snowboard from uh, Danny Cass and uh, and Dingo was there. And actually, um, I've maintained that, you know, that relationship relatively. Uh, I ran into Dingo and Aspen when I was um, cooking out there and, you know, ended up going to a monster energy party. And, you know, the fact that he looked at me, he goes, Jess, like, you remember me? I was like, this is so cool. Like, you know, this happened 10, well, eight, eight years ago at that point. But um, it was really cool, you know, all the connections that we've made and friends along the way. 
So Portland, they tell you Portland, were you expecting Miami or some really cool beach location? What what were you hoping for? I think I was hoping for tropical beachy. Yeah, that would be too. I'd be like free vacation, basically being a beach town for you guys were there in the summer, I would think. <laughs> yeah, no air conditioning and industrial building. That's why we were like all half dressed all the time. <laughs> so did what how were you expecting to be spending the time going into this? You're like, okay, so this is a show where I'm gonna work a job and I'm gonna live with these people and get to do some fun stuff and just hang out. Were you expecting there to be a lot of structure or not a lot of structure? I think at that time I didn't really think about it at all. I was just like ready for whatever. Um it was just so much fun. Like Portland fit for me very well with all the activities that we were able to do. Um, I think they expected it to be a big culture shock for me. And it was, but in a good way. I embraced all of it and was very open-minded. And I don't think they expected that for me. I think they expected that, you know, very sheltered, scared, you know, maybe expecting me to be a little bit judgmental. But I was like, like, let's have fun. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was a blast. It was a great learning experience. And one thing I really enjoyed about... So it's funny because I didn't watch... I got into the challenge a few years ago. I had some friends who were like, you you love Survivor. You watch some Big Brother. You watch The Amazing Race. Like, you should watch the challenge. I'm like, okay. And I got really into watching. I started around Cutthroat. So like around 2010 up to 2019, that stretch. So I watched your stretch. And then one thing I had said to my friends, I'm like, you know what? I wish they... I wish there was more of a backstory to these characters because they just throw them out there and you're supposed to know who they are. And they're like, well, that's what mm -hmm. the real world is. So then they put all these seasons on Paramount Plus a couple of years ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this show's great. And your season was actually, I think it was the second or third season that I watched. And I thought it was actually a really good season. I thought it was the last, because I saw some of the seasons that came before it and some of them that came after. And I thought your season was the last really good season of the real world. I believe we were the last original season before they started doing X's and all of that. Yeah, I think that's right. They started doing some weird twist. Uh, There's like Tony season with the skeletons. It was like all these weird people from the past just showing up. But um, so Portland, you end up in Portland. And what what was, how long were you out there? What, what, what were you doing most of the time? Three months, I think. I don't know, you don't have like any clocks or anything inside the house or watches or calendars or anything. So time just kind of blurred by. And do they, do they give you money? Like you, you get paid to be on the show, right? Yeah. I can't remember how much it was, but it wasn't much at all. And then you just supplemented with whatever you made um, from working your job. And then people give you stuff for free sometimes. So I remember there's a part where Jordan is like, I love wakeboarding. I want to go wakeboarding. So mm -hmm. when stuff like that would happen, would you just tell the producers like, hey, we want to go do this. We think this would be fun. And then they'd set it up. Or how would that, how would you go about doing an activity like that? So there's, there's like a bat phone with it. You just pick it up and it rings straight to production. And you're just like, hey, I want to do this today. What do you think about that? Or um, there's this really cool event going on like a festival in, in a week what do you think about this and then they would have to get it all cleared with the city and everything and if they could make it work they would if they couldn't you know they couldn't but well one thing i really one thing i really liked about your story on there what i thought was really cool that i hadn't i've seen maybe five or six seasons of the real world 
I don't remember seeing this on any other season was your story with uh, Marlon, where you guys are like, we want to go, we want to go to church. Like church is a big part of our lives. And we haven't, I, mean, I would think you probably weren't going right away. And you, it seemed like, like, okay, I want to get to church. And they were showing you guys going to church and talking about a lot of, there was some spiritual conversations that you guys were having. And I really enjoyed that. I thought that was really cool. So I have to think that your faith was a big part of your life. And then you go into the situation and you're probably with a lot of people who maybe it's, that isn't something. Cause I know they like to cast all kinds of different people. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. It was definitely interesting. You know, I think people expected, you know, a Christian to be judgmental and, and um, there's some negative connotations attached to that, but I wasn't, you know what I mean? Um, it wasn't the best example of a Christian, but I think that's... Hey, we're all a work in progress. I think that's the best way to be, though, to be real. You know, people saw my struggles. Uh, people saw what I dealt with and how I handled things. And, and I think um, it's such a stressful environment. I think that day that we really needed church. We really needed Jesus. We needed that unity. And um, it was such a deep spiritual connection. And in such a beautiful way for us all to, to connect, you know, you see, um, you know, different groups going and trying things that maybe they never would before, or maybe something that they are all interested in. And that just happened to be one for us. So it was really nice to be able to bring that into focus and give glory to God in that way, Absolutely. especially on such a secular outlet. Yeah. Like, it was really cool. Like to show people like, it's okay to love Jesus, you know, and not be perfect. I think that's a great way to put it because obviously this one, this is not a Christian show. And I think there are probably less people. There are probably less people who work on the show that are Christians than are not Christians. And I thought they were extremely fair and there wasn't really, it didn't seem like there was any kind of slant or bias. Like it seemed like they told your story fairly. I agree. I, I, I do. Yeah. Did you feel one thing you mentioned is like you want if your kids ever watch the show or the shows you've been on, you you'd like them to see the good parts. Now, yeah. <laughs> you're on the show for three months. They've got hours and hours and hours of footage. And then there's a total of, what, 10, 20 episodes. And we're only seeing for however many, like, I mean, three months is a long time. That's 12 weeks. I can't remember how many episodes were on your season. Was it like 12? Was it? I think so, 10 or 12. Yeah. So you're seeing an hour of each week and we're getting some kind of a story. There's so much that we're not seeing. Did you feel like it was a pretty accurate representation of what was going on? Do you feel like people got along maybe better than the show led the audience to believe? What'd you think about that as a viewer when you went back and watched it? I think it was all very accurate. Very, very accurate. I mean, like 24 hours a day, yes, but like eight to 12 hours you're sleeping, <laughs> maybe like three hours collectively out of the day you're eating, and then the rest you're just like trying to figure out what to do with yourself. So, like, I don't think they missed, I think they got all of the meat and potatoes of everything for the most part. Did you ever get bored at times? You're just like, I'm, oh, that looks like, oh, yes, I did. <laughs> you spend like 90% of your time bored out of your mind figuring out what you're going to do next. Like that's where all of the drama comes from is I think people's being bored and alcohol. 
<laughs> is there any producer manipulation you think where they're like, hey, this is a good idea. You should do this. And then that person, no, none of that. Not really. But in the interviews, we'll be like, you know, um, we noticed you were in the room when, you know, Naya and Avery were disagreeing on a topic. How do you feel about that? Or we noticed you looked a little upset. Can you explain? I'm like, what? I was upset? No, I just have like, you know, a resting sour face. Like, I don't know what <laughs> you're talking about. Like, things like that. That's the only way they would kind of like lead you into comments. And, you know, sometimes there's like kind of producer-led um, responses as far as a situation. They would kind of recap a situation for you, give their input on the situation, and then ask you how you felt about it type of deal. Makes a lot of sense. So I know that with reality TV, not just the real world, Casts can have a very different experience. Some casts are very close with each other. Some casts are not very close with each other. Who are you still close with people from your cast? Are you close with everyone? Other people that you're closer with? Who do you stay in touch with? Um, I, I touch base with with a lot of people. Um, like Avery with her, you know, Hooters competition and Anastasia with her, you know, recent birth and, and everything that she's been going through. I haven't talked to Marlon lately. Um, it's been a while. He's kind of dropped off the map a little bit. Um, but Naya and I are still close as ever. I mean, Naya, whenever she's in, you know, Houston, she came to see me. And I mean, to me, Naya is my, like, that's my family. That's my sister as far as I'm concerned. And um, we're still extremely close. I know you and Naya are very close and Naya had some fireworks on the real world a little bit. She got into some drama. Um, I feel like we didn't really get to see as much of the warm side of her on the show, but tell me a little bit about what, what, what is it about Naya? Um, Cause she said, she sounds like a great person. We just only saw more of the, you know, fireworks on the show. And the thing about that is it all started because one of my castmates, Johnny, had physically pushed me and was screaming in my face off camera. They weren't, the cameras were taking, you know, the night off and then drama happened and then they rushed up on it. But they didn't get the full abusive, crazy, awful situation that happened before Nia went off on him. So that was coming from a place of love, but also a place of anger. And then they had their own issues that kind of built in between that. But it initially started because she was protecting me. Um, and Naya is a protector. She's a, I always call her uh, the protector of people. I'm like, you are the protector of people. That is, you know, whether you want it or not, God has chosen <laughs> you to be the protector of people. And she does. She protects people, you know, in, in so many ways. And nobody got to see that side of her because they saw a defensive big sister lioness Naya. And people chose sides, you know, because they didn't get to see the full reality of what actually happened and what sparked that true issue. Um, so I think that that's kind of one of the ways where a situation or edit is kind of skewed, but you couldn't really help it. They couldn't really tell the backstory without us explaining. And in the moment, you don't explain things like that because you don't realize how it's going to be edited. Um, but Naya... She's so loving, so caring, incredibly intelligent, has a beautiful, wonderful family, has a great relationship with her parents. Um, 
has so many close friends that absolutely adore her. She's such a strong individual, but she's also a very soft individual. And I think you get to see that on All Stars, you know, how tender she can be and, and but yet fierce. You know, we know that she can be fierce, but also we get to see what I've seen over the past, you know, 10, 11 years is, is my sweet Naya. So um, I'm happy for her that she's, she's able to show that side and that production is kind of showing that side of her as well. That's very cool. The thing I have noticed from following some of you guys on social media is there was drama with her on not only the real world, but also the challenge, but it seems like everyone who, maybe she beefed with, they seem like they're cool now. Like, it seems like everyone likes Naya in real life. That's yeah, what I've experienced, what I've noticed, I'd say. I think you grow up and you change, you know, and you realize the things that you were arguing over were really silly, and then you just kind of move forward. Well, and also I would think being on one of those shows could be an anxious environment. You might not feel most comfortable, and that could bring out Especially if you're anxious and you're not sleeping, that could bring out another side of you. And then, like you said, when you're telling a television story and there's only so much time to show everything, you might not see all the, the good stuff. Absolutely. It's like being in a high school environment. No matter how old you are, you go back. It's like being in high school. And then the conditions are extremely uncomfortable. From what I remember, the food's not that great. The beds feel like, you know like little loaves of bread that you're sleeping on, like little pieces, it's just tiny like jail mattresses. And so being uncomfortable, then being in a very toxic environment as far as the people, and then not being able to have the support of your friends and family, it, it's a lot, it is. So the food, is it catered to you? What's the food, yeah? Yeah, I remember just like it coming in like, in like nine pans and just, that always made me sick. I always would eat like cheese and ham or for if we ever had any fruit, things like that. Cause the food always made my stomach hurt. And tell me a little bit about, you mentioned, you mentioned um, everyone in the cast, except for Jordan and Johnny Riley. Now we'll talk about Riley a little later, but tell me about mm -hmm. Jordan. Uh, I actually talked to Jordan the other day, me, Naya, Jordan and Nehemiah were all on FaceTime because Nehemiah and Jordan were with Naya. Um, and it was fine. He was just like, hey, how are you? You know, congratulations, mama. And we just haven't had a chance to reconnect and, and, and be close again. Um, but he's been very positive and sweet towards me over the last, you know, times we've spoken. He, you know, messaged me when I got married and things like that. So we, I don't think we've had a chance to be close again. Um, but he's, you know, no animosity there. Um, as far as Johnny Riley, I don't... I don't know. Like, not, not, so, not getting a Christmas card from you. Definitely not. <laughs> At least not with any nice words on it. <laughs> I just feel like the last time we were on a season together, you're a grown man and you paid me all this time for absolutely no reason. And you had a chance on Rivals 3 to be my partner. You had a, a chance on Rivals 3 to work with me and work through whatever issue you have, your ego, your issues, because it's not mine. And... I was very open and forgiving and loving and kind. And he just completely smashed that and was just abusive in verbal nature. And just his behavior was absolutely atrocious. And there's never been an apology. There's never been an explanation. 
Um, so as far as I'm concerned, like I couldn't care less if I never saw him again. <laughs> I don't reference him. I don't, for the most part, unless asked. Um, there's no love lost there for me. However, when it is brought up, I do feel some type of way about it. Because at some point you just have to grow up. Like we're adults. We're not 21 anymore. I mean, we're adults then, but I don't know. Some people just. So you guys were partnered. We, we'll, we'll talk about it now. You guys were teammates on your last season, Rivals 3. And you made mention of it, of how he treated you. And it came across on the TV. We saw it. I mean, it was pretty evident. To me, it felt like someone who just sort of in sports quits on their team. Like that's kind of the vibe I got from it. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say he's a quitter in that regard. Like almost like he was throwing a fit. Like he didn't like his teammates. So he was like, I'm out. He mentally, I don't even think he showed up. Once he knew that I was his partner, I think he quit showing up. And yeah. I mean, I've shown that I'm not a weak competitor. Unfortunately, I have been dealt a hard deal when it comes to challenges, being paired with people who don't like me. Like, seriously, every yeah. single season I've been on has been with somebody who did not want to work with me. And then every season, you know, like free agents that I had, rotating partners or individual, I did excellent. Um, so I think that that's created a label for me, like I'm not a good competitor, but that's not true. When you've been dealt, you know, look at look at the people that I was paired with and, and their ability to overcome obstacles and then tell me that I'm a bad competitor. Like, I feel very passionately about that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny because I was looking, again, I was just making some notes of your season. Three of the four seasons you did, two of them were rivals and the other one was an X in terms of X's and rivals. And in... Did did Dustin get injured or something like that? Did he like was that a different season? Like he like slipped and hurt his ankle or something like that? I'm thinking someone else. He gashed his leg open on one season. Yeah. Yeah. So like even in that case, now you have a wounded partner. And so you didn't do well on those. Anastasia made a really grand entrance on uh (laughs) rivals too. Um, and of course, uh yeah, so you didn't didn't you were out pretty early on all three of those, but then free agents, as you mentioned, sixth among the women on that season. And you had a really good showing against Cara Maria in the balls in elimination too. So I was thinking, I'm like, man, I, there's, there've been some other challengers over the years. Uh, what was his name? Brandon. I can't remember his last name, uh, but I, I don't think you did any seasons with him, but he was another one. It seemed like, Oh, he was on free agents. Brandon. Yeah. It felt like he always had really bad luck. I think you were a victim of bad luck several times on your run on the show. Unfortunately, that did have a bad taste in my mouth of wanting to go back. It's like, why do I want to continue going back if you're not going to let me either play my own game or give me a partner that actually wants to be there? I mean, not to throw shade on anybody. This was 10 years ago. Some of it, and some of it was like, you know, six years ago. Yeah. We all had our mentalities have changed now, but like at that time, it just felt like my partners were quick to give up because they didn't like the circumstance. Now, Dustin, we tried. We just couldn't get it together. I mean, when we were doing the one with the board where you had to stack the board up and down, our board broke. My, you know, I don't know if it's, I think it was my wrist came out of it or something. All I know is he was heavy and he fell on top of me and it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, instead of restarting, they were just like, oh, well. 
like when Johnny and I did the one where we were hanging on those swinging bars over water also, originally they sent Dario and them home and then they made us all come back and they sent us home. I'm like, what is the deal? Like, I know we were up there for longer, but they still sent us home. So did you enjoy being on the challenge? Did you have a fun time or, I mean, three of those seasons seem like they would not have been particularly fun. I had a lot of fun connecting with other people. There's a lot of off-camera moments that you don't get to see, you know, me being close with like Anissa, um, me being close to Cara Maria, things like that, you know, definitely do enjoy your time there at some point. Who are your closest friends from the challenge still? Who are you keep up with? Really just Naya, you know, that I can think of. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to Cara and, you know, Polly a little bit here and there. I mean, I always adored Cara as a person, you know, person to person in real life. Like, I always enjoyed, you know, being around her. She's lots of fun and silly and goofy, just like me. Um, Brittany uh, Baldy, she and I, she was, you know, she came to my wedding as well. Um, that's really all I can think of right now. Is yeah, Leroy just... is Leroy as funny as he seems like he is? I love Leroy. Leroy's hilarious. He was one of my favorite partners, and he's yes, he's super funny and he's very genuine. Oh my gosh, I love Leroy, and I haven't watched. I didn't watch the last season of the challenge, but I watched the season before that, which was his farewell tour on the challenge. And I'm like. Can Leroy please finally win? It would it would be so great if Leroy could finally win one. Instead, uh, always always a bridesmaid, never a bride. He's so close, never gets it. It happens. Politicking is hard, and and you know playing is hard. Um. Let's see what else. So I'm curious about the challenge. They give you a lot of Under Armour gear. And I, I don't know when they started doing it, but they were definitely doing that during your seasons. I'm wearing Under Armour here. I love Under Armour apparel. It's so comfortable. Do they give you like a bunch of the polyester, like soft shirts? Is is that what the jerseys are? Are they like silky? Yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. They're that like sweat wicking or um, if it's cold, they would give you cold gear. Um, big old huge duffels, like full shoes tank top sports bra swimwear like everything that's one thing i really do miss uh big under armor fan uh, i still wear it to this day i still buy it unfortunately i have to buy it on my own but i yeah um that was definitely one of the greatest perks of of um being on the show unfortunately now my you know my instagram and, and everything has been hacked and deleted otherwise i used to use that for connects to you know do promotions for products I believed in and reach out. Like one time Under Armour gave me a big discount code, which is awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm jealous. I would love to have all this Under Armour gear. So they give you like, was it like they give you like two pairs of shoes and like X amount of stuff each season? What was that like? Um, it was really cool. Everyone would get in a circle like once we got in the house and like rummaged through our bags. And then it was just like an open market trade. Like I'll give you two pairs of shorts for your pair of, you know, cold gear leggings or I'll give you this bikini for those shoes and or, you know, sometimes you get shoes that aren't your size by accident and people just like try to trade around and trade up and down. And, and my favorite was when people would leave and they would leave some of their stuff behind. I, I was like, okay. <laughs> just take it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would absorb it. You left it in my room. <laughs> You're not coming back and I'm never going to see you until like, you know, years from now. It's mine. 
<laughs> so that sounds pretty fun. I wonder why they never showed that. I don't know. It's really funny. It's like a thing that happened every single season. You just like sit in a circle and like just start open market. Open market. I mean, I would see, I would think Under Armour would love to have that on the show. Just the promotion of all Under Armour stuff. Maybe, yeah. maybe MTV deemed it not, they weren't paying enough to, to get maybe. that much. They're really weird about brands. They tape over, they like put gaff tape over everything. Yeah, I was watching one of the old seasons and someone was wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey and like he has to duct tape over like the team name, the logo, and uh, the like player's name on the back. Production actually takes everything out of your bag that is branded before you go. You have to like sign a waiver saying it's okay for them to rummage through your stuff. Interesting. So if like I wanted to design a t-shirt, if I was on during your era of the show and I created like my own t-shirt and wore like Jack Vita brand, whatever, would they let me have that on there? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They would probably, you'd have to clear it with them beforehand. Um, like Johnny Banana says all his stuff. I don't know if they let him do it. I feel like they let him do whatever he wants. Probably to let him do it. Sure. Yeah, I probably let him do it. <laughs> He's coming back too. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's gonna be on the next season. He was a great partner too over Heights. I was really scared. Um when we had to like slide the pole in and out and make it across the wall. I was really afraid and he was like, It's all right, baby girl, you like you got this. Just just keep breathing. I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm gonna pass out. I'm gonna die. And it's really funny to me they never had me mic'd up because I am the biggest worry word. Like you see me up there, <laughs> like pretending i'm not terrified sometimes and i'm just like my self-talk is hilarious like when we they lifted us up um when johnny and i were doing the thing where we had to jump bar to bar and i'm, I'm holding my hands like this as soon as i do this when i get anxious to release my energy i just go oh and i just squeeze as hard as i can and go <laughs> oh, okay but i'm like sitting there on the edge you know of this thing and we're not locked in or anything you're just literally sitting on the edge of a a riser and I'm like swinging my feet and I'm like, all right, I'm big, brave dog. I'm big, brave dog. And I was saying some other words probably should have been saying. <laughs> and, and I just like kept repeating it over and over again, like puffing myself up. And I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh my God, I'm going to die. No, you're not going to die. Lord Jesus, please don't let me die. Like, this is like this, <laughs> this like inner monologue in my head and this commentary. I'm like, I'm so glad they don't hear that. But now I'm like, <laughs> I wish they would have, because I think I would have cracked up laughing at myself if I would have heard <laughs> half the things they said while I was competing. So Johnny was a little more encouraging than Jordan was? Ah, absolutely. <laughs> and Leroy, too. Leroy was great. He goes, my favorite was, was doing the uh, the car races where we had to do the, the backwards tricycle, too. Yeah. Zoom down in the cars. Leroy was like, before I even got out the car, she was halfway down the runway. Like, <laughs> I think that impressed a lot of people that I could run, even though I'm short and, and thick. Like, I could still, you know, had it in me to to hustle um but he was he's so great so calm so directive we just worked really well together um so i appreciated that from both of them do you have a favorite individual accomplishment or moment from your time on the challenge yeah you're like crossing that you know crossing that rolling log i, I literally thought i was so it was so sensitive. I don't think people realize how sensitive that that turn was. Like, I mean, I, don't, I still don't to this day know how I made it, but I think being a woman and having that center of gravity in my hips and, and being low to the ground, you know, being short really played to my advantage. Um, 
I think that's why Camilla and I both did so well is because we're you know, center of gravity is in our hips and we're small and we're nimble. And um, <sighs> I thought I was going to die. I really, really thought I was going to die with my ego intact because that's all that drove me to do it. It was like my ego when Jordan's like, you can't do this. I was like, oh, I can do anything. Like that's my superpower <laughs> in life. Like I truly believe I can do anything. I do. I do in work and life. Like, you know, I don't have a degree or anything, but here I am, you know, a team lead at, at a desk job. And I just, mom's like, what are your goals? I'm like, I'm going to be assistant manager next year. She's like, what? Like, are you on, are you on a path for that? I'm like, I don't know, but I think I can do it. Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> and she's like, you're incredible. You're absolutely incredible. Having her support is huge too, but it's especially with the challenges, believing and knowing in myself that I can do anything if I really, really work hard and, and use my resources and, you know, just do it. But there was a lot of praying going on. Because <laughs> I hate heights. One time the, they did the, where we had to pull our partner overhead, we're walking the tight line between the two buildings. I was like pulling Dustin along. I fell and they couldn't pull me up. Something happened with the line and they couldn't pull me straight up. So like they kind of swung me over to the building and tried to pull me up like closer to the building. And I was like hanging on like a little monkey, just like crawling up the building. I'm like, get me out of here. Get me up. <laughs> I was so scared, like, like scaling the wall because I was so scared they were going to drop me. Oh my that gosh. That was probably the most terrifying moment of my entire life. Yeah, I would be really scared just doing that stuff. Anything that requires a crane. And I'd be like, so my life is in someone else's hands here. Mm -hmm. If this, if they screw this up, I'm gone. That would be like, that would be such a hard thing for me to do. But I guess that's also a way that you can trust God a little more. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, it had to. I had to. I had to, <laughs> had to trust Jesus and some man to put this thing together. So that was great. When you uh, when you got that and you proved Jordan wrong, that was a fun moment. It was uh, I think it was like the first episode or second episode too. I love that. I love proving <laughs> people wrong. Jordan had it was funny because on that season, his whole story was like this guy who's very cocky and he keeps failing at everything, and then he tries to. He were you still there when he threw himself into the elimination? Were you still there? Mm -mm, okay, I wasn't. But you probably enjoyed watching that on TV. <laughs> he's fun to watch. He's definitely fun to watch because he's he's very um very daring. I think Jordan and I are very similar in that regard. That no matter what odds are stacked against us, it, you know, especially you know him with his hand, um, he doesn't let that be a factor. He doesn't let that be an excuse. We both truly believe that we can do anything, regardless of what's said against us. And he's even more impressive in that regard, you know, given his 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 physical state. Um, and he's using that as a platform, you know, to encourage other people and other, you know, children. Most recently, there's a girl who, you know, has the same, um, you know, thing with her hands. I'm not quite sure if, if there's a, a name for it, but... Um, she saw Jordan on the challenge and she went and put her hand up against where she saw his hand. I like almost cried. Oh my gosh. See, that's what was like, hit me, like it made me cry. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, you know, you got to see a sweeter side on Instagram of Jordan, you know, really caring. I think he just acts hard. I think he's deep down. He's a softie, but you just have to bust up that, that wall. Was he, do you think he was more, he talked tougher on the challenge than he did on the real world or was it the same? 
Tis the same. He it's has right. that, ex- that, that the defense mechanism, but it works. People like it and hate it at the same time. So, well, I think it's so funny is so that season his story is this arrogant guy who comes up short most of the time. I think they even have a montage of him failing several times. And then he ends up winning the next three seasons that he does. I truly think that Jordan is the best challenger on the male side ever in terms of competing in the challenges. Who do you, who would you take if you could pick one male to win a challenge? You're, you're betting on someone to win maybe not an elimination, but a daily competition and your life is in their hands. I would always bet on Jordan always, because I know that there is no doubt in his mind that he's going to give it 120%. I think the male challengers, you know, I think everyone always gives it a hundred percent for the most part, but I think Jordan just goes extra hard. I think he has a bigger motivation. Jordan. I mean, that's the thing where people want to talk about bananas and CT, I mean, see, it took CT about 10 seasons to finally win one of these things. And Bananas had part of the Bananas has done over 20 seasons. So he's won seven times, which is still obviously an incredible record. And part of the reason why he's had a lot of seasons where he hasn't won is because the target got so large on his back. But I mean, with Jordan, it's just right from the beginning. First season goes to the final second season would have gone to the final if he didn't throw himself in that elimination, I believe. And then he wins the next three. And I just think, I think he is the best, maybe not the best social game person in the history of the challenge, but he doesn't even need that because he's so good at the competitions. He he definitely um, backs up his game by winning and not by his, his social political game for sure. How about female? Who do you think the best female challenger that you went up against is? Car Maria, no doubt. You know, she's tough and given her small size too, she's very fierce. So Car Maria over Laurel. Yeah. I mean but Laurel's a lot bigger than Cara too. Yeah. You know, they're just completely different. Yeah. Different. Uh, they're both equally great in their own right. But I think personally I still have like this. <sighs> not chip off my shoulder, but like unfinished business in a way with Kara. Like I like her as a person, but also like I wanted to just destroy her in our last round. Like that's one of the moments I'm so proud of because everyone looked at me like I was just going to roll over and, and die. And Kara's like, she put up one heck of a fight. Like I was surprised. And her being regarded one of the you know best competitors period female or not it was really cool to go up against her and show people like i am a force to be reckoned with so So i'm gonna i'm gonna give you this the next season the rumor is it's called the challenge ride or die it's i don't know if it's going to be a team of four people or a partner thing but you're partnered up with your friends so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give you a chance to build your dream team so you get it's a team of four. So you get one female and two male competitors on your team. Who are you taking? Naya? Uh, definitely Johnny Leroy. Female wise. 
Carter and I didn't do too well together as a team, mostly because she hated me at that point. I think if Cara, at this point, Cara and I would get along well and we'd crush it. Um, I love Naya. She struggled a little bit. But also, I think our size difference would be an issue at some point. Um, so I'd have to, just based on what I know about the challenge and in how size does take a play, I would say Cara would probably be the best. Because if I had to carry Cara, I could carry her. You know, um, if we had to do something where, you know, I had to be in contact with Cara at some point, I think it would be fine. Like, she wouldn't be too tall for me to reach her. Or she wouldn't be, you know, like, if I had to carry her, I wouldn't be dragging her in the dirt, you know, things like that. Like, when I had to carry Anastasia, that was really tough um, because she was so tall. It, it just made it really difficult, you know, when you're five foot three and you're carrying someone who's like almost six feet tall. So in that regard, um, yeah, it would just have to be Naya or Cara, but Cara I think would be the best matchup for for me personally. What did you think of TJ when he signed? He sent you and Anastasia off the show, and what he said to Anastasia. What were you? What was your first impression of TJ when that happened? I thought he was a jerk because you guys didn't get to see that we were out there and then they couldn't get the pools filled. So they kept us out there for more hours. It was hot. We didn't have any water. We didn't have any food or snacks for a really long time. So she was hungry. So she smoked a cigarette. And like, that's what smokers do. They smoke a cigarette to curb their appetite sometimes. And we were starving. It was like two o'clock in the morning and nobody realizes we were out there for hours on end before we actually got the challenge started. So I think, he's a jerk for that and also like they should have given us snacks <laughs> did tj make it up to you later were you like oh I, I really like tj or did you always feel that way about him jay but i feel like tj doesn't even know i exist like i don't even know <laughs> if he would ever remember me as a competitor at all so i don't know <laughs> uh we'll give a little update here so jessica is now moving over to her closet because she has to charge her phone. So perks of not being live, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're back. And I was just going to say, Jessica, you're so sweet. You weren't going to badmouth TJ. Uh, it was something about the challenge that really you were not expecting that came out of it? Or how did, I guess a better question, how did being on reality television change your life? People recognize you? I mean, yeah, getting recognized here and there, I guess. And then, like, I mean, I, I've been on TV since, you know, my early 20s, so I don't know anything different, I guess. But, yeah, people recognize you. Um, I mean, my doctor's office the other day, the lady was like, I know you. It's probably the weirdest thing. People were like, I know you. And I'm like, oh, gosh, how do you know me? Because <laughs> you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I was on TV. And then be like, mm, I don't watch TV. <laughs> then you just feel dumb um so i think yeah in that regard you know people noticing you and following your life and things like that did it provide you any kind of opportunities in modeling because i knew you did a little modeling you mentioned that did it provide you opportunities in modeling being an influencer on social media did you make any money from doing any public appearances anything like that naya and i did a public appearance together um so in that regard yes 
you know, public appearances, um, influencer work, branding, things like that for sure. Totally. Cool. All right, Jess, I feel like we've talked everything we can about uh, the challenge in the real world. I really want to talk most I'm excited about talking with you is your Christian faith. And we recently got in touch with each other. I started following you on Instagram recently and I kept noticing I'm like, wow, she's posting a lot of verses on here. And then of course I knew your story on the real world and how you are going to church on there. So let's just start at the beginning. How did you come to know Christ? I was raised in church ever since I was a little kid. So it's, it's always been, you know, I've always been surrounded by it, you know, just growing up in it. You grow up with like Veggie Tales, Adventures of Odyssey, that kind of stuff. Some Veggie Tales, mostly Rugrats. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday School, Awana, oh, yeah. Vacation Bible School, VBS, Sundays, Wednesdays, Fridays. Have there been per- certain uh, points in your life where you feel like you've really grown a lot closer to Christ? I feel like it, there's a lot of peaks and valleys, just like any, you know, any Christian walk. Um, you know, you find yourself at a low and then you're like, what, you know, what's happening? What's going wrong? What, what am I doing? And it's like, you're not trusting God. You're not putting your faith there. Um Most recently, when we, we, unfortunately, in October, we had a miscarriage. Mm. Um, that was devastating. You know, losing a child's hard. Um, and through that hurt and through that pain, we never lost our faith. We never wavered. And I really feel like God was testing us in that moment. Um, I just talking to my friend Maddie the other day after church and I was like, God, I feel like God's pushing me. (laughs) And I was like, you know, we, we struggled to get pregnant in the first place. And so like after fertility testing and, you know, things not looking so good for us the second time, it was really hard. And I just told my friend Maddie, I was like, she's like my spiritual sounding board, my, my (laughs) rock in the whole baseball world and in the world in general. But, um, I was like, I feel like I'm here and God keeps pushing me, pushing me saying, do you trust me now? Do you trust me now? And it was so incredibly difficult to keep trusting through such a, through such a valley, a dark valley for me and for my husband. Um, if you followed my page before, you know, you know, we struggled, we struggled with a loss. We struggled with, you know, infertility issues and, um, them, you know, losing his, his genetic material at, at the fertility clinic the day of, you know, my procedure. And that was felt like another loss all over again. Um, and then, you know, fast forward here now we're pregnant. Um, been such a journey to get here but i don't think we would be as strong in our faith now if we hadn't gone through all of that and god you know kept pushing me personally saying how much can you take that's what it felt like i felt like he was like strengthening me for things to come um and then i said 
you know, I always try to find find God in every situation. You know, people try to find the positive in situations, but I try to find the God in the situation because it may not always be positive from 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 our point of view. And um with them losing his you know his side of things at the clinic for our fertility um procedure i knew something was wrong that morning um i text my friend Paige. was like what if they lost you know his his sample what if they lost him she goes girl it's their entire job like they didn't lose him like i i felt like god was preparing me for that hmm. as best as he could but it was devastating i fell i threw up i sobbed i couldn't like i was it was a mess um but a couple of weeks went by and I was like, what if God wanted the glory? What if this wasn't happening to us? I get really emotional <laughs> talking about this journey. But it was just couldn't help but think <laughs> can't get it out <laughs> what it's if this okay. was happening to us but it was happening for us and god really pulled it out you know um he wanted the glory in the situation he wanted to bless us with this child and I feel like he wanted to remind us that he wasn't failing us. But he was growing us. He was growing. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to cry. I'm like squealing. <laughs> it's okay. Let it out. You're <sighs> fine. You're in the trust tree here. It's all good. <laughs> um, you know, what if he wasn't, wasn't, you know, it wasn't happening to us. It was happening for us because God wanted to take this despair. He wanted to take this moment of complete deflation and and create a testimony through it. He wanted to take something that was so dear to our hearts that we were adjusting in science and say, yes, I blessed these people to do this. Yes, I gave them the gift of being able to help people, but this is my story. About six weeks later, we found out we were pregnant naturally. It's <laughs> amazing. And it's just been the greatest leap of faith for us to just stop trying to, you know, people were asking, are going to go back to the fertility clinic, you know, based on what they said about not being able to get pregnant naturally. They're like, are you going to, are you going to do something about it? I'm like, no, we're just going to leave it in God's hands. And the voice in the back of my head was just like, what if God wants the glory in this? Not just part of it, but what if God wants all of the glory? And that's what it's truly been. This miracle in our life, you know, and bringing life into the world has been just that nothing short of God's, you know, mercy and grace and, and his miracle. So this is probably in my 31 and a half years where my faith has definitely grown the most is going through loss and, and, and now pregnancy. Oh, Jess, that was beautiful. 
You're going to make me cry here. I'm like, <laughs> I'm emotional now listening to that. What an incredible testimony. It's, it's, it's huge. And I wish I could speak more on it. And, you know, on my Instagram, there was a whole series about it from where we started until where we are now. And unfortunately that's lost after being hacked, but a lot of people saw that, you know, and from meeting my husband with, you know, he had you know, such lukewarm faith when we first met and I never pushed him, but God took a hold of his heart. And I told him, you're not going to go anywhere until you start trusting God. And it was like the moment he let God in, things just kept working for him and, and moving for him. And I always try to reference God whenever he has a bad outing. He's like, oh, you know, this was terrible. Like, you know, what's happening? I was like, well, maybe you don't see the good in this because you're not looking for the God in this. Maybe you had to do good enough to stay in AAA, but suck just bad enough so that nobody would trade you because you're meant to be where you are. And he laughs. He goes, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, doesn't it make you feel so much better knowing that God's got you, that God has you exactly where he needs you, even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it makes you cry, even when it makes you angry. God is our father. And even though we don't always agree with our parents, they are doing what is best for us because they know better. And so just our entire journey, you know, has been that way. And he's really stepped out and stepped up as a man of faith. And one of the most impressive things is he was like, did you hear my walkout song? Did you hear my walkout song? Um, and I finally made it to the baseball field the other day to hear it. Cause he had changed. <laughs> it was, you know, some secular music before, and um, he had changed it to Nobody by Casting Crowns. I think so. Is that the one that's like, I'm just a nobody? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, so he changed it to that. And all of a sudden, I was just like sitting there, you know, standing. I pace when he pitches, but I was just standing there <laughs> watching him in awe and watching him draw his cross in the dirt. He draws a cross in the dirt. Um, before he pitches every single time. And like, it's just something I noticed he did. He didn't tell anybody about it. And that's how he is. He just, he maintains his relationship with God. And and I never butt in because it wasn't my business. You know, as bad as I wanted him to be a Christian and, and, and be that influence in our life, I never pushed him. He had to find that journey on his own. But hearing that song is one of my favorites. You know, I just started praising in, in a secular place, you know, and, and, Thousands of people will hear that song. Some people will never hear a praise song. Some people will never step out of church, but because. Here we go with the tears again. <laughs> let, it, <laughs> let it roll. It's okay. I just can't talk when I start crying. Um, <laughs> but because he is there, somebody will get to know the love of Jesus hmm. through a simple song, through a simple, you know, drag of his fingers in the dirt thanking the Lord for everything that he's given us. He's going to change someone's life. And I think with, uh, with a platform, that's all you can really ask for is a chance to be a positive example and a good vessel for Christ. I'm so sorry. I can't keep, I can't get a grip. <laughs> Don't apologize. It's great. <laughs> Um, it's so authentic and real, which makes it all the more beautiful. Life is hard. Being a Christian is hard, you know, and I don't think people realize that. Um, 
just because you love Jesus and just because you have this faith, it doesn't mean things are easy. You know, the, the last two years of our life has been really hard. Um, you know, we had that COVID year and um, my mother and my mother-in-law were both hospitalized at some point. And um, I lost my dog that I had for 20 years while my husband was gone. And I mean, like right after we got married, like we got right back from our honeymoon, my grandfather passed away. And then, you know, a month later I lost my dog. And then a month later, my mother-in-law was in the hospital. And then it just like every month, there was like over 12 events that month that were so tragic for us. And it was just so hard. And then we just rolled right into, you know, the loss of a child and, and, and so forth into our, you know, first year of marriage. But we never lost faith, no matter how much it hurt, no matter how unfair it seemed, no matter, you know, no, no matter what. Maybe our faith wasn't as strong as some days. Maybe we didn't make it to church, you know, all the time. But God comes through, you know, I always say God is in this, no matter what God is in this. And that's, and I truly believe that no matter what you're going through. Sorry. No, it's, it's great. Don't apologize. Um, and I, I just think it's such a powerful testimony. It's so cool to hear about. And I'm sure that there are people listening to this right now that are hearing this and it's impacting them. God, God works in, in mysterious ways, but he also works in, in his way. So someone who's listening to this would hear you say, being a Christian isn't always easy. In fact, it's hard sometimes. So why do you choose Jesus then, Jess? Because I know deep down in my heart that, you know, God is the way he is the truth and the light and, and I have my own personal experiences, you know, that, that have testified to that. It's not just like I read a book and I was like, okay, this seems like a good idea. Or, you know, they told me, you want to go to heaven your entire life. You got to do this. I mean, of course you hear that, but like, I've had my own life saving experiences where it could only be God. Like humans aren't smart enough to string these types of events together and make these things happen. <laughs> like it had to be God. Um, so I think we all have those, you know, experiences in our life at some point when we open up our hearts to Jesus Christ, we experience those supernatural, you know, moments. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is a God and he does love us and he is for us and he is in this always. Amen. I mean, for me personally, I am someone who, similar to you, grew up in the church prayed a prayer to accept Christ when I was five years old. And then as I, as I aged, understood what that meant a little more. And I think around, it was when I was 16, I made my full commitment where I'm like, I'm going to make my relationship with Christ, my number one priority in my life. Because before that I was just serving God when it would benefit me and mm -hmm. kind of do it on the side. And I'm like, all right, at that point I'm all in. And the reason why I choose Jesus is because I believe it to be true, first and foremost. But secondly, like you said, I've seen God show up in my life in my time of need. And he gives me so much joy and peace and comfort 
and happiness through these hard seasons of life that are going to come whether you have God or not. And to me, I don't think it's humanly possible for me to walk through this life on my own and to be filled with joy. Because if I, when I've tried to do it on my own, I've always come up short. I will come up short at the gates of heaven if I do not know him because I can't do it on my own. And in addition to all of that, though, I mean, like I, it's best for my mental health. And in fact, the other thing is, you know, you and I, I can't remember if I even mentioned this to you, but I had to have my thyroid taken out. I had a rough few years myself. I had Graves disease and I had to go through the ringer where I couldn't exercise. I couldn't work. I just had to live at home with my parents after I finished college. And if I did not have a relationship with Christ, I don't know how I would have made it through that season. And I just know that people go through rough times. I'm sure there are people who are listening to this right now. You can have a relationship with Christ right now if you haven't, even if you've known Christ in the past or you went to church as a kid and you've wandered away from it and you haven't talked to God in a long time, or if you've never talked to him before, he wants us to reach out to him. He wants us to pick up the phone. And when it, when we ask him to reveal himself to us, he shows up. He always shows up. I've had a lot of people in my life who have not shown up for me in my moments where I needed people to show up. God is there every single time. Absolutely. So anyway, Jess, that was so beautiful. I'm curious if you have any specific passages or Bible verses that have meant a lot to you recently or throughout the course of your life. You know, I don't have one specifically. Um, actually, the parable about the mustard seed, I won't say I don't have one. The one about the mustard seed is really near and dear to both mine and my husband's heart. Um, because I believe that our success first is rooted in our faith in Christ. And even if our faith is just, you know, as big as a mustard seed, which is super tiny, which is also funny because when I got pregnant and I was like wondering how big my baby was, it was the size of a mustard seed. <laughs> I bawled. I lost it. I ugly cried. I sobbed. And it was just made so much sense, you know, at that point, um, our whole testimony in that regard. So the mustard seed and, and having that little speck of faith, and you know, has, has really meant a lot to us. Um, and if you're struggling with your faith or you don't have faith or you're curious about faith, I strongly recommend, you know, looking in the Bible and, and reading about, you know, the parable of the mustard seed because it's so huge. It's that had become our foundation, you know, going through all of the craziness. So. I think your story is such an inspiration because I'm in a stage of life myself where I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm headed. I don't know what God's going to do. I'm, I'm 27 trying to figure out life myself and figure out my twenties and when I get to my thirties and a, a number of things. And you guys are in a similar spot where you're in AAA right now. I'd love to get that call to go to the big leagues at any moment. And you're going to have to be ready for it, but you don't know necessarily when that will come and but it's so cool to hear how through everything all of the all of the difficult hardships you've been through 
and through some of the good things, some of the exciting things that you're putting your trust and your faith in God. Cause that's all you can, that's all you can really do is control the things that you have the power to control, do your very best and then trust God with the rest. Absolutely. I agree with that hundred percent. So um, we're, we'll be pulling for you guys, obviously praying for you with your pregnancy and then pulling for JP to get up to the show. Uh, hopefully it comes soon. I'm sure that would be an incredible, outstanding moment for you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have a lot of exciting things coming up and, and I just pray that that is in our near future. Um, there, the, Space Cowboys are actually doing uh, a gender reveal for us on August oh. 5th. We're going to try to live stream it. I mean, unfortunately, again, not to be the dead horse, but all my social medias are crashed. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, I can't reach those 36,000 followers that I had, but we're going to try to, you know, put it out there for whoever can find my social media again um, and live stream it from the field. We're doing fireworks. So, dad's hoping for a boy, but, you know, overall, we're just hoping for something. And so it's a miracle that this baby is healthy and strong. So, mm, Absolutely. Be praying for you guys. So I think something that we can both relate to is it's easy to overlook the now when right now, you know, you're going through a time where you haven't felt the best physically throughout your pregnancy and you can't wait to have this baby and meet this baby and then in JP's case, I'm sure he can't wait to potentially get to the big leagues. And yet God is still doing stuff right now. There are people right now that you both and myself, we all have the opportunity to impact and for God to use us. And I think that for me personally, in a season where I'm trying to figure out where I'm going and what I'm doing, it's really easy for me to take that for granted. Do you ever feel that way? I think I used to, but lately, you know, God's been calling me to be in the moment with everything. Um, you know, much like the <laughs> building a baby, much like growing <laughs> a baby, you can't rush it. And I feel like that's with my husband's career. We can't rush it because God's timing is perfect. It's already been written and we're just in the waiting. And, and, you know, sometimes I stop my husband, I'm like, dance with me. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm tired or, um, I have things to do, babe. Come on. And I'm like, look, we have right now. And what if we don't have now ever again? You know, you're getting on a plane tomorrow. I know you're tired, but just be in this moment with me. And he goes, oh, I didn't think about it that way. And then he lets, you know, he lets himself melt into the moment and be there and be present. And I think that I keep referring to my deleted social medias, but <laughs> I mentioned to you, I think earlier, um, or I mentioned somebody that maybe God was trying to show me something. You know, of course, it's devastating to lose, you know, 10 and a half years of, of building a platform. Yeah, it's a lot of work and a lot of time put in, you know, to build something that just was gone in seconds. But maybe God was trying to further expand on my my calling of, of live in the moment. And, you know, delete those distractions from my life and teach me to really be present with him and, and with my husband and, and give those moments back to God that are robbed by constant social media 
and social uh, validation. Um, so I know I'm a little bit off topic here. But... No, no, this is what we do on this show. We go everywhere. We talk about everything. <laughs> but um, I just think in the waiting, we need to make sure that we're present, even though we are hoping for the next stage and hoping for the next level. We have to remember we have to crawl before we can walk because those are building blocks to build God's future for us. So we do become anxious, you know, without a doubt, you know, we see our friends being moved up. We see our friends progressing. We're like, we want to be with them. Like it's hard when you lose friends because they get traded or, or they move up or whatever the case may be. But I think God just is calling us to, to be in the waiting. I think that's a great place to be because you're in Sugarland right now, Sugarland, Texas. And there are people around you right now that, God wants you to have community with and people that he wants you to encourage and uplift and pour into and using the gifts that and the avenues that you both have, whether it be through baseball or with your job. And God has you here right now. And hearing all this has just been great for me because that's a way that I felt for a while, just trying to figure out for those who don't know, I've been applying for jobs in this media space. And whether I get a job or not, I will get a job doing something. I'm going to continue to do this show, but I'd like to have something because right now I, I substitute teach and I I do a lot of stuff. I live with my parents and it's really like, I, I just love to get to that next step. I love to be there. Mm-hmm. It's like, but God has me here right now for a reason. And I have to be, I should be thankful for that. And you said something else that I thought was so interesting about a lot of people think, and I guess this is, this would go along with the false teachers and the churches that teach the prosperity gospel of if you have Jesus, then you're going to be blessed financially, health wise everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. And some people even present the gospel in that way. It's like, oh yeah, I came to know Jesus and then I got a million dollar house and I got this great mm-hmm. job and everything happened. It's like a, they're treating Jesus as a good luck charm more than who he actually is as a savior and a friend. And I just thought what you said, said is like a lot of people think that if you're a Christian, you're not going to suffer. Everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's going to be great. It's like, well, look throughout the Bible and look at how, look at who suffered. Jesus suffered more than anyone ever could. He had his friend, he had friends betray him. He was crucified. He was spit on and mocked and made fun of, went through the most amount of pain that anyone could ever imagine, both physical and emotional. And that's, when we say we're Christians, that means Christ-like. It, it does not mean that we're going... So So our Savior, who we are trying to emulate his behavior to the best of our abilities, he is someone that suffered worse than anybody. So we're going mm-hmm. to suffer too, but we can take comfort in knowing that he has done that before and that he'll be with us the entire way. Absolutely. So, Jess, this was incredible. Is there anything else you want to add to this conversation? 
No, I think we've really talked about it all and we really hit the, you know, the key points and some high points and even some low points. Um, but if there's anything that, you know, any listeners or viewers are going to take away from, from this podcast, if there's only one thing that you take away from this, just know that God is in this. And, and, and by this, I mean, everything, every situation. Amen. So Jess, for those who may have missed it, she got her Instagram just totally wiped out. We need to help her build up her new following. So everyone go follow at the MTV Jess. It's right there on the screen if you're watching the video. Follow her on Instagram. She's a good follow. She's very positive. I was telling her this before. People right now, it just seems like if you go on social media, the positive, real people are the most valuable ones on social media. Because right now, a lot of people are fighting and they're shouting. And it's nice to have some people who have a clear head, but also are providing things of value and substance and worth and positive, and especially someone who's sharing her faith. So make sure you guys follow her. She's a good follow. How's that for a plug? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Is there anything else you would like to plug or promote while you're here? You know, that's it. I mean, just that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, Jess, it was great having you here. Thanks so much. And uh, maybe we could get JP on here sometime in the off season. Yeah, I'm sure he'd love that. All right. That concludes my conversation today with Jessica McCain, France. What a treat she was. Uh, I wasn't expecting her to make me nearly tear up. But she managed to do that, and uh, what an awesome story. I can tell she's got a great heart. Um, so very much appreciate her time on the show today, and I hope you guys enjoyed all of the topics that we covered. Got into a lot of stuff, uh, and hopefully you guys stuck around and listened to the whole thing. And if you, if you made it this far, give me a tweet and uh, tweet at me and let me know what you thought of this episode. My Twitter is at Show. Also, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Jack Vita Show. And make sure you follow at the MTV Jess. We're going to have more episodes coming soon, more great guests. I'm sure we'll have more people from the challenge and the real world and Survivor. I, I know for certain that we're going to have a couple of Survivor contestants coming later this summer. Um, Stephanie LaGrosa is going to come back at some point. She's got a new show coming out. Heidi Hamels from Survivor. The Amazon's going to be on. So make sure you guys subscribe to the show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And follow me again, at Jack Vita Show. Check out my website, jackvita.com, for more content. We'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>